0: You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla DeNano, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 37, I am speaking with a mediator and lawyer. This guest uses her love of food and legal background to empower others in unique ways. Based in Washington, D.C., today's guest is Candace Candace Spencer. So, Candice, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really pumped.
0: Yeah, of course. So, would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, goodness. Sure. So, I am a lawyer who doesn't currently practice. I am professionally a mediator. I'm a baker. I'm a Floridian living in D.C., feeling very at home in the heat and humidity. Mm -hmm. And, oh, goodness, a lot of other different things, I think. But that's probably (laughs) the most important ones at this point.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about you being a baker. Where did that come from? Do you like to bake everything? Um, I was watching your YouTube videos where you were baking chocolate chip cookies and stuff. Where did that come from? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that started when I was eight years old. I just started. My mom has this wedding gift from like the 80s. And so my first thing that I made was a bread pudding from that cookbook. And it came out terribly because back then they didn't really use sugar and so it was bland. Mm -hmm. So I redid it with more sugar and it came out really great. And from then on, I just kind of fell in love with it. And it's been the thing that I've loved to do ever since then. Like the only other thing I would do aside from being a lawyer probably would be a baker.
0: Wow. And, you know, you absolutely can do both. You know, this platform is all about doing all the things, right? Did you grow up enjoying sweets? and then you were like, let me make my own or does your mom cook a lot? And so you watched her using the cookbooks or what?
1: Probably a combination of both. I love sweets. I have since the womb, I think. like okay. my mom <laughs> only ate Denny's pancakes and pecan pie when she was pregnant with me. Like those are the two things she craved. and I came out with a huge sweet tooth, so I'm sure like that was part of it. And she did cook a lot growing up, still does to this day. and I just decided to try it. I think she probably suggested it. Yeah, And then that was, that was, and my grandmother also is known for like pound cake and sweet potato pie. And so I watched her growing up as well. And so it's probably something that just made sense when I got to it.
0: Yeah. Listen, Denny's is still delicious. Like <laughs> Denny's will always be good.
1: <laughs> they had my first birthday party at Denny's. That's how much my parents went there when my mom was pregnant.
0: Look, I, I respect that hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. So I read cookbooks like not even when I'm cooking, I just find them relaxing. I have at least 18 cookbooks and like, I will pick them up and just read them. Like it's a novel, right? And <laughs> okay. Do you still enjoy cookbooks? Do you, have you branched out into finding some dairy free cookbooks and do you use those?
1: I have not found dairy free cookbooks, but I will also admit to not really looking. Okay. So I do enjoy cookbooks to answer your question. I do enjoy them. I don't often use them for a couple of reasons when it comes to baking it's easier to find things on Pinterest. And Mm -hmm. so I'm usually like, oh, I have leftover fruit and I decide I want to make X. Let me just look that up right quick. And so it's easier, that's just an easier option. But I do love, like, I love to read generally. So I love the idea of having a print cookbook, but I don't know of any dairy-free ones, but I can check on that actually. And when it comes to cooking, I'm a bit of a renegade. Like, I like to follow a recipe, but I'm also always going to do whatever I want to do. So... I don't have a lot of cookbooks
0: for that reason, but I do enjoy them. Okay. So that is very, not anti-lawyer, <laughs> but not following <laughs> the recipe is very, is very unique. I don't hear that very often from many lawyers.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, the law is funny because it's something that appears to be so structured, but in reality, you're making it work for your case, right? Like. Mm-hmm this is a precedent but the parts you pick from like the opinions are like you can still kind of mold it to fit what you need to fit your case may not win but it's still a little bit like flexible and pliable in that way and so I think the law has more room for creativity than we initially think
0: no I could see that that's a good point point. and so that actually brings us right to you went to law school at the University of Florida you also went to undergrad there
1: I did. how was Go that later.
0: experience being in law school
1: Oh, man. So I tell everyone that law school sucks. <laughs> and I say that <laughs> for a couple of different reasons. One is that so I'm the first lawyer in my family. So I didn't know what I was doing, literally. Like, by the grace of God, I had a professor who was my mentor, who was amazing. Shout out to Professor Stafford, who told me how to even look for law schools. Because I was on the LSAC website going alphabetically like, this sounds cool. University of Hawaii sounds nice. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> When I finally got to law school, which was an interesting process in and of itself, so getting to law school and realizing that it's a system that's not designed for everyone to win really bothered me. Like, when I got to law school, UF had just instituted the grading curve, and the fact that, like, I couldn't earn, like, there's only a certain amount of grades to give out was just baffling to me. I'm like, why? If i earn earned an A give me the A. Like, where else are they doing this where you don't earn the grade that you get? Like, I don't understand that. And it breeds this competitive nature that I think is unhelpful and unhealthy in law schools and therefore in the practice of law as well. And so that really bothered me my whole time at law school that like there's this just structure that's not set up for everyone to win and the more I got an understanding of systemic racism which came about in law school the more I like there's some explicit things about the law that make it so it's a lot easier to survive and to thrive if you are a white man. Mm-hmm like idealistic level, like that was my problem with law school. And then I love to learn. I don't love the traditional structure of education. Yeah. And so understanding that law school doesn't actually teach you how to practice law, like foundational classes, one all year are great. After that, it's just a lot of lecturing, unless you seek out like practical skills courses. And I did because those were like negotiation. I did the environmental clinic, which was amazing. Like those are my favorite classes because they were practical. Yeah. I need to know how this practically applies. Otherwise, what is the point of it? And law school is not very great on the practicality of law. How to practice?
0: Not at all. In fact, I like your point of, you know, you have to get to those practicality courses. I remember my electives as a 2L were really important to me. I did environmental law. I did a couple of construction law courses mm-hmm. and then I did a legal clinic and that actually taught me most of everything. So yeah, law school is very, very theoretical in a way that I found frustrating as well. I knew of a lawyer, but I didn't ask him about his law school process. So similar to you, I was just on websites, like what looks interesting. And then I'm happy that I went to Southern University, which is in Baton Rouge, which is an HBCU Uh law school. So that experience Uh in itself was amazing to be surrounded by, you know, the brightest and all these people, all the gunners and they're black and they look like me. But um, again, I was in Louisiana. I'm from Ohio. (laughs) Louisiana only has reciprocity, meaning that I could wave in after five years with Texas. That's a very Mm -hmm. short, small part of the country. Texas and Louisiana is it. And had I thought about things a lot more and not wanted to run from Ohio, which has nine law schools, (laughs) I probably would have chose differently. But I do not regret going to Southern at all. I mean- I always say that I became an adult in law school, which is surprising because I was 28 years old when I went to law school, but mm-hmm. it stretched me in a way that like nothing else I'd ever experienced had done, you know?
1: Yeah. When you say running away, that was addictive. of <laughs> My
0: experience, I
1: was determined to leave Florida.
0: Okay. Like,
1: I was like, I'm going to school up North, whatever, 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 but I got into three other schools aside from UF Duke, Emory and UGA. It was like, I'm not going here. And the Lord was like, Here's what you thought, and here's what you're actually gonna do. <laughs> and so, know, going to U.S. I say a lot about law school experience, but I still loved going to U.S. because yeah. I grew similarly as a person, really came to understand like my passion within the law, like what I really felt I was called to do, and the opportunities I got to do that, I don't think I could have gotten elsewhere.
0: Yeah. So. so, you're eight years old when your mother discovers that you have a food allergy and now you are a dairy-free consultant. What do you do as a Mm dairy-free consultant?
1: That's a good question. So my niche is more so in helping people find ways to live dairy-free. So whether it's recommending products, something I did for a friend was helping her like dairy-free her Thanksgiving menu. Hmm. Um, She told me what she was making. I told her like ways to make it dairy-free, the different kinds of products she could use, and even like the store where she could get it from based on the information I was able to find online. Helping people kind of have confidence, like even to practice like ways of saying, hey, I'm dairy free, so it doesn't feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird just how comfortable it can be to be out with your friends and know it's going to be your turn having to say like, hey, can I get this? But without these things and I have a dairy allergy, like having to be very clear about that so people know mm-hmm. that can be kind of uncomfortable for people. So different ways of saying that. Just kind of like different product recommendations and advice and things that you can do to help you transition to being dairy-free if that's what you want to do.
0: Yeah. So you're pretty much empowering people in being dairy-free. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in my mind, when I think dairy-free, I'm like, okay, go get a Whopper with no cheese. Right. Sure. But it's probably <laughs> more than that. I mean, a lot of places that butter their hamburger buns before they make the bun. Exactly. You know what I mean? Before they put it together. So, Okay.
1: Yeah, I went to one restaurant that even put butter in their burger, and I was oh. so upset by that because it meant I couldn't have the burger, and I was like, why would you do that? Like, I get why, in theory, it, like, moistens the burger, it, like, provides fat, flavor, and all that great stuff. However, it completely mixed that as an option. And it's funny, too, because when you're for you have to really be asking questions. It would never have occurred to me to put butter in a burger because I don't do that, yeah. nor do I know a lot of people that do or like in rice when you're making it or mm-hmm. like a wide variety of things that some people do and so if you don't ask questions like you can think something is safe and it's not
0: yeah that's a really good point so I mentioned your YouTube channel and I have to mm-hmm. say it was awesome okay like your first episode <laughs> you're like no need to cry if we milk we're not gonna drink it anyway girl I was like okay I'm hooked subscribe <laughs> I there. love yes spilled milk is the name of the youtube channel It's excellent excellent even if you're not dairy free because i'm not dairy free but that makes me want to ask you why did you start the youtube channel spilled milk and why was it important to you
1: that's a really great question i have to give a shout out to my cousin for the tagline because she came up with it and the <laughs> name and was like you have to name it this and i was like ah, i don't know and she's like you have to name it this and she okay. ended up being right it was a perfect name so I've been dairy-free since I was eight years old. So the same time I started baking, actually, is when I realized, or my mom realized, I had a dairy allergy. Okay. And so baking and dairy are so inherently entwined, it was really, really hard to understand, like, how to bake without dairy. It's
0: mm-hmm. that's not a lot
1: easier now. But it's still hard to live a dairy-free life. Like, people still think dairy means eggs or that like, mm-hmm. I want a gluten-free bun on my burger when I just don't want you to put cheese on it, like... It's a lot of miseducation and uneducation out there about it, and I think it's also not as hard as people think it is. Like you can do a lot more than people think you can. Yeah. And I wanted to help people who had to be dairy free, and to help people who have dairy free people in their lives. Like it means so much to me when my friends, when I go over to their house, they have dairy free options, or when mm-hmm. they're like picking a place, they're like, okay, can you eat here? Like actually actively including me and not requiring me to be the one to be like, hey, actually, can we go somewhere else? Like they don't have anything that. I could eat in this restaurant. So support from the people in your community and like in your life are really important. And so I wanted to just help people be able to be that person for their friends who are dairy-free.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important distinction. What you said about eggs does not mean dairy because it doesn't. Yes. (laughs) But I think people are probably like, no dairy, eggs come from an animal, you know, it has to be the same. So
1: I think it's also that if you go to the grocery store, the dairy section is milk and eggs. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of conditioned to think that anyway. Yeah, And it's just unentangling that from that association. Like dairy is just like cow's milk and animal milk and the things that come from animal milk.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have tried a couple of dairy-free options. One of my favorite ice cream companies, um, Jenny's Ice Cream, which is based out of Columbus, Ohio. And she mm-hmm. makes this like. Texas sheet cake ice cream and it's dairy free and it's so good doing it because yeah you got to look her up she makes like a peanut butter jelly ice cream too she makes some really good options I was doing it just because the calories are a lot better usually than if you're eating like whole milk ice cream or dairy based ice cream but it was delicious so
1: That is awesome. Yeah, Ben & Jerry's also has some amazing non-dairy flavors. They're my favorite for that reason because they have a lot of options and they're all actually really good and not just like trash.
0: Yeah. I love your platform because people always think, oh, if I say something, it doesn't matter. But if you can just say, hey, I don't eat dairy. And if someone else says, I don't eat dairy and someone else says, you know, I don't feel good when I eat this. Maybe I don't like dairy. Maybe you can't do a lot as one person, but you're one person as to a collective. And then you can have a whole movement to where Ben and Jerry's makes dairy-free treats. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I love that. That is my philosophy as well. Like if people find it valuable, if they are feel more empowered to stick up for themselves and being dairy-free or to help their friends, like that's all that matters.
0: Mm -hmm. So what brought you to DC? You're currently in Washington, DC now. What brought you to DC? I
1: am. So a job that I don't currently work at, but okay. I was working at the University of Florida College of Law in the conservation clinic there. loved that job, had an amazing experience there, but so really wanted to be in D.C. I was here for two-year-old summer, really loved my experience in the city, and just wanted to come back. And so got a job at a nonprofit doing advocacy around sustainable agriculture policy, so everything like farm bill related, which is like the governing federal legislation for everything farm and food in the U.S., including nutrition assistance and SNAP.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And so got a job doing that, was there for almost two years and then transitioned recently to my current job.
0: Okay. And is your current job the food and agricultural policy?
1: Not quite. So my current job is something altogether different than I expected. It's a, I'm a mediator for a nonprofit consulting firm that works okay. in the field of environmental mediation, facilitation, and strategic consulting.
0: All righty. And what is that? What does your typical day look like?
1: That's a good question. It depends. So, we're a project based organization. And so we work on everything from like fisheries to forest to food and ag, and I obviously work in the food and ag sector. Mm -hmm. And so my day can be anything from reviewing a report about regenerative agriculture financing to doing interviews for a client to help them understand their landscape of their field within food and ag funding to drafting reports about some of interviews we've done for a client. Like it just depends on the project and where we're at in the project and what needs to get done.
0: Okay. So my mind is swimming, right? I'm like, so when we get these reports about don't eat romaine lettuce, that's Candace (laughs) (laughs) talking about, look, we found this thing, right? I'm seeing you with like lab coats and beakers, all of it.
1: (laughs) Not quite like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, not quite for my part, at least. There is some environmental science involved, which is great because that's my bachelor's degree. But more think of like if you had like a body of water that everyone was fighting over, well, you would have someone from our team come in, bring everyone together and come up with a solution or help people come up with a solution that it, that helps everybody. Okay. Like we're kind of more of like the problem solving, trusted third party that comes in to help you kind of work through some really like difficult problems with a lot of different kinds of people. Okay.
0: And... So this is very interesting to me because you don't work for the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture. You're with a nonprofit. I'm excited that I'm letting the audience know about this because I didn't know that this existed. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I like that we are bringing awareness to food justice and the fact that these types of policy mediation things even exist. So, Mm -hmm.
1: And we do work with the USDA as well. It's amazing to me too because before I got my previous job, where we did a lot of lobbying and a lot of had a lot of interfacing with USDA and Congress, I didn't know how things worked. But it's amazing how many other touch points there are to the federal government aside from the actual federal government. Like yeah. they have a they listen yeah. to a lot of different kinds of stakeholders, a lot of different kinds of people. And so it's really interesting to kind of like learn about that and start really understanding it. Okay.
0: And I'm listening to you. You got your little jargon and stuff going. I'm like, wow,
1: she's. <laughs> it's been really cool because I once I graduated law school, I didn't really have a plan. Mm-hmm. And my people will tell you that like when I have a plan, like there's no deviating from the plan. Like this is it. Once I graduated law school, it didn't have a plan, and so the jobs I've had since then have just been me being open to the Lord, being like, hey, try this, and it's been really interesting. I've learned a lot every single time. Yeah.
0: And so I saw on your website that you also do some legal consultancy. How is that going? And is that in the food space as well? It is absolutely in the food space. And that's
1: the thing that I think I love more than anything. I mentioned earlier learning about my passion in law school, and it's really helping Black farmers and food entrepreneurs and advancing racial equity in agriculture like that is what I love more than anything to work on and to do and to advocate for so this aspect of my business I think is probably my favorite Mm -hmm. aspect still getting it off the ground I actually have an upcoming an upcoming product to put out how to form an LLC in the state of Florida because something that I'm learning is that farmers don't may not know I don't want to say don't but may not know that Running a farm is still a business. You still have to have like business structure, appropriate business structure for that. And it's a really easy process in Florida, but people maybe like are intimidated or don't know about it or he just has never had any experience with it. And so I'm just putting out something, a quick tutorial video to say, here's how you would actually do this step-by-step so that as you move forward in your business, you have this legal foundation that is absolutely necessary and not super complicated. Like here's how to break it down. Here's how to understand it here's how to make it really simple. Um, And then after that, opening up for consulting and taking like questions and clients and things like that later on this year.
0: Okay. And so I mentioned your website and I have to say it's it's (laughs) very bright and engaging. It's beautiful. Um, (laughs) CandaceA Spencer.com. Y'all, everybody go take a look. (laughs) On your site, you say that you want to, quote, bring justice to the food system for Black people, unquote. Why this specific group of people? And how do you bring justice with food to Black people?
1: That's an awesome question. This particular group of people, because I'm Black, and okay. because I care, like no shade to anybody else, always here for allyship. I'm Black, and it matters the most to me to help out the people that I just kind of know the most, like mm-hmm. always here to sit in allyship with other folks. But for me, coming out of like, my personal experience as a Black woman, it matters the most to me to help black people.
0: Yeah.
1: When it comes to how answer to that question is infinite. I'm realizing, and I love that because what I know is law and food and ag. Like I listen to a podcast called black in the garden. So I'm learning just about like actually gardening and like black people and culture and horticulture that like people coming at this from all different ways and aspects of how to bring justice, whether it's access to food, growing food, nutrition, like land access to grow food, like there's so many different components of food justice and sovereignty. And I am still learning about all of them. Uh-huh. For my role, I'm coming at it from law and the Law and the Student Act, because I have the privilege of being a lawyer. I love being a lawyer, despite all the trash I talked about law school. I love <laughs> being a lawyer. And I know that my skills are unique, period, especially unique in my community. Yeah. And I want to use those however I can not in this space and there's a role for that.
0: Yeah and if I can say you even have the privilege of being in food and ag which is food and agriculture (laughs) because I don't know many brown people that are in this space.
1: Yeah I think there's a lot more I know a lot more people at like grassroots level but I have noticed definitely a lack of people that look like me and like the policy level Or in like in the field I'm in now, like environmental mediation, there's not a lot of diversity or Black people or people of color here.
0: Yeah. So I know you wouldn't have the legal consultancy had you not gone to law school. How do you think (laughs) attending law school has helped you with your business, with running Spilled Milk, which is its own creative entity? How do you think Mm -hmm. law school has helped you with all of those things?
1: It made it a lot easier one thing I find is that people get really intimidated by legal things because they just don't know mm-hmm. for me the idea of forming an LLC is not a big deal like yeah. I know how to do that I know what it means I can do that for, like doing like contracts or like like none of that intimidates me but mm-hmm. so I think the law first and foremost is, is helpful to not be intimidated because I'm like I I know or I know I can figure it out or I know I have friends who know Like, I don't know this thing I have friends mm-hmm. in this law who do know so I can ask them like there's no level of intimidation for me. And then there's there's actual practical skills of like knowing the law, knowing different legal standards and being able to work within those and not like trip over that in any way.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you hated law school, (laughs) even (laughs) though you love being a lawyer. Yeah. But you said that you always knew that you were going to go to law school. Was there ever a time where you know, did you consider being an engineer, consider being a farmer? And then you were like, no, law school stronger? Or were you always just, I want to be a lawyer? I, shout
1: out to engineers. I never considered being one. And after knowing what they did in college, I was like, yeah, absolutely not. It's not okay. for me. <laughs> no. So my dad, when I was eight, told me I should be a lawyer because I like to argue. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I rode with that for a few years, but as I got older, I'm like, you know what, though? The law is this thing that we all agree to follow, and it only works because we yeah. say that we're going to do it. Yeah. And that really fascinates me, just like this man-made construct that we uphold that works only if we say it works. And it mm-hmm. affects everyone, whether mm-hmm. you follow it or not, the law is going to affect your life. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to law school, Like this is a good way to affect change. Like My dad calls me a tree hugger. I've been a tree hugger from way back. So I was like, I want to change the, world for the environment. I want to like do environmental protection. I want to save the trees. Like that's what I want to do, and the law is the best way to do that. And so that's the mindset I had going up into law school, and then I realized the law may not be the best way of doing that because the law tends to also be oppressive in its own way, but mm-hmm. still a very useful tool. So, so yeah.
0: Law. So I hope the audience yeah. is capturing the fact that you can write your own ticket to what you want and what you need to do to advocate for other people, right? I'm listening to you and I'm over here laughing because you're talking about the law works because we say it works because we have these books and and all this structure and policy. But if I'm gonna put applesauce in the recipe, I'm gonna do it. Like who's gonna stop me? And this is so funny to me that you have all these different aspects to your personality, but they all work and they're working for you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So Candace, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience about being a lawyer, what it took for you to become a lawyer, practicing, anything?
1: Sure. When it comes to becoming a lawyer, definitely seek out mentorship. You had someone on your podcast recently whose name I'm forgetting, but she does like the pre-law mentoring. Mm
0: -hmm. uh, Yeah, Angie. Like
1: definitely. Yes, definitely get a mentor. Like when I tell you, Professor Stafford saved my time, A, and also was invaluable to me actually getting to law school. Like I I can't even emphasize that enough. So find you people who have done what you want to do and get to know them and learn from them as well. And then also understand that like the law is useful for so many different things. It's not just like going to court or working for a law firm or for a nonprofit. You can literally do virtually anything's in the law and Mm -hmm. really have a good time and so if you're passionate about it in the law something you want to do but you're like i don't want to try this thing like try it like go for it there's there's room to be creative in the law i think
0: this is true well thank you so much candace thank you this has been so much fun have a good evening thank you you too Uh bye bye thank you for listening to you are a lawyer while you are here subscribe to the show leave a rating and tell a friend about this episode New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.